0: Have you guys ever had those verses that just get you excited? This past week, I had the opportunity to camp out in Philippians 2, and one of the things as I was reading this, it just got my heart racing and excited, made me like want to jump up and just uh, just go live this out. And so I want us to look at today as kind of a pregame speech for what it looks like to go out and live our lives for Jesus Christ. So. Um, in order to show you a little bit about what a pregame speech is, uh, one of the cool things about Philippians is if anyone has Christian coffee mugs or Christian signs that are on their on their wall, uh, a lot of those verses come from the book of Philippians. And one of my favorite pregame speeches, uh, two years ago, uh, Coach Mosier, uh, as the star our starfires were getting ready to go in uh, to play Woodland to uh, Woodland to to win. The sectional championship, he gave this speech. So I've got a short video that's going to play above my head of, of a, a pregame speech. Football, guys, some of your best friends, the rest of your life. Some of these guys be be friends the rest of your life. The next 50 years of your life, some of your best friends right here get to play a football game with them tonight. How freaking special is that? You get to play a game with your best friends tonight. Look your brothers in the eye right now and you shake your head. Yes, you make a promise right now. I'm going to do whatever it takes. When this game's over, there'll be nothing left on that field. I'm going to leave it all out there. Everything I have for the guys I love in this locker room will be left out on that field tonight. Everything I have. Because you guys love each other. I want to echo what Coach Steiner said. We have some. All right, so one of the awesome things about this passage that we're looking at. Um, And if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to turn to Philippians 2. One of the awesome things with this passage is it talks so much about how us as Christians are called to live differently than the rest of the world. How us as Christians are called to look differently than the rest of the world. How us as Christians are called to love differently than the rest of the world. So I'm going to dive into it. I'm in the NIV uh, just because I like the wording of it a little better. So if it's a little different than what's in the pew, I apologize. It says this. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassionate, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, the same spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourself. Each of you should not look not only look to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ, who being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being, like my, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of man. He humbled himself, became obedience to death, even death on a cross. So there's a lot to unpack here. I've got 20 minutes, so I'll, uh, I'll do my best. Uh, to unpack this but we could do a, literally a month just on these eight verses. Uh, but here's some of the things, some of the key points in this verse. The first one is what does it mean to be like-minded? So what does it mean for you and I to be like-minded? Does that mean that we have to be robots and walk lockstep uh, together? Does that mean that we have to have the same, like the same color? My favorite color is blue. I'm sure there's other people in here that their favorite color isn't blue. Um, Maybe it's Scarlet. You know, I think my wife's the best wife in the world. I'm sure some of you I hope that you think your wife's the best wife in the world, or your husband's the best husband in the world. Um, I like Michigan even though they lost to Notre Dame last night. Um, maybe some of you like Notre Dame or, or, or Ohio State. So as you see, being like-minded doesn't mean having all the same opinions. Being like-minded. One of the interesting things about the Greek word for like minded um, it's also can be translated into like attitude and so if you and I have the same like attitude, it's different than having the same like minded it might it might seem sound differently to you so that like attitude is the attitude of love so one of the one of the cool things. Um, about this is that we worship God in different ways. And so for me, I would love to have a David Crowder concert up there every every Sunday. But I know some other people in the church would love to have a Gaither concert up there every Sunday. Um, and both of those things are awesome, and both of those things can worship the Lord. And it's okay that I would rather have a David Crowder concert uh, and some other people here would rather have a Gaither concert. And that that's perfectly okay. That means that it's okay for us to have different opinions. It's okay for us to, to disagree on that. But here's the thing. In our disagreement on that, we're to put on the attitude of Christ it talks about. We're to put on this attitude of love in our disagreement of things, in our, in our opinions and in our, our things. I can love an Ohio State fan, even though I'm a Michigan fan. Um, we, can, we can love one another, and we're called to love one another. In this like-mindedness, we're called the, Paul calls us to accept the, take on the attitude of Christ, accepting and loving one another, even though we're different. So can people that are like-minded have disagreements? Paul calls us to put on the attitude of Christ and accept one another, even though we're different. In fact, God desires diversity. He delights in diversity. He says, go and spread the gospel all over the world. God After the Tower of Babel, God created all these different languages. God's the same God that created the giraffe and the platypus. God's the same God that created different skin colors for people. He's the same God that created... There's 7 billion people on this planet, and not one person is the same. And so so God loves diversity. So it's okay for us as believers... To have different opinions, to have different thoughts, have different likes, have different wants, but in those different wants, in those different likes, in those diff- in wanting different things, in in our uniqueness, we can't squash what other people's uniqueness is. We can't squash what other people want, what other people desire, what other people's uh, love is. And here's the the cool thing that. Um, Jesus talks about, Paul talks about here, um, and Jesus also talks about it, is how we're supposed to put on the attitude of love. We're supposed to put on the same attitude that Christ put on. So Christ put on the attitude who, his very nature, he was united with, with God. He was equal with God. He still, even in his human form, was equal with God. But he considered us better than himself in that he, he humbled himself, became a human, and gave up his life and his comfort for us. Because all of us as Christians deserve death. All of us as people deserve death. All of us in this room have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But because of Christ's humbleness, because of Christ's willingness to think of others better than himself, um, and so you might think, how do you think of others better than yourself? Now this right here, thinking of others better than yourself, is just totally countercultural. It, it's, it takes what we believe, what we've been taught our whole entire lives, especially as Americans, and just flips it upside down. Uh, I'm going to read to you guys, um, again, what 3 and 4 says. So 3 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should not look only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. So what does this mean to consider others better than yourself? Well, here's one of the cool things, is this is what separates you and I as believers in Christ from the rest of the world. This is the very thing that makes us look different than the rest of the world. This is the very thing, thinking of others better than yourself, that Leads people to Jesus Christ, and it's when we don't do this, when we do things like fight against each other, quarrel with each other, when we do things that are selfish. It's when people say, "Hey, those Christians are hypocrites." When we do the, when we when we do, when we act selfish, it stops the gospel from going forward. Now, this doesn't mean when you're thinking of others better than yourself, this doesn't mean that God hasn't uniquely gifted you and I, all with special talents and abilities. So I'm going to go over here to this piano. I've never taken a piano lesson before. And if I start, you know, start plucking on it, it sounds awful. But if Mike goes over to that piano, he can probably play Bach or Mozart, or if you give him some time, he can play whatever, whatever you ask him to, he'll be able to play it. I have, you know, can read music but have no clue what, thing, what is going on there. Um, and so that doesn't mean that, hey, Mike needs to consider me a better piano player because clearly that's not the case. Clearly that's, that's far from the case. It means, what it means is that Mike comes at me in love and approaches me in love when you're considering others better than yourself. What it means is we've got 500 people in this church. Uh, 500 people on a given Sunday that step foot in this building. What it means is, what it, would it look like if for me I looked out for the other 499 people? And what if they're looking out for, what if all of us are looking out for the other 499 people? That looks a lot different than just one person looking out for one person. That looks a lot different if all of us are looking out for the other 499 people. I've got a good friend uh, who's got, uh, we went to high school together, um, and he was really good at biology. He, uh, went to, uh, he went to Wisconsin University and got a Ph.D. in biology, and now he's a professor at um, Kentucky University. Um, he looks a lot different than me who got a C in AP Bio in high school. Um, clearly, he's better at biology than I am. Um, And so it doesn't mean like, hey, you have to suppress your gifts. God's not calling you to do that. God's calling you to be the best you you can be. God's calling you to be the best person he's created you to be. God's created each and every one of us with unique gifts and unique skills, and he's called for us to live those skills out. But we're called to live those skills out in love. We're called to live those things out to serve one another. We're not called to live those things out to better ourselves, but we're called to live those things out to better the kingdom of God, to better each other. Now, that might mean, hey, you're an awesome plumber, and God's called you to humbly use your plumbing skills maybe to to go on mission, to go help people who can't do it. That might mean you're like Gabe Pyle, and you're a bricklayer, and God might be calling you to go overseas and use use your skills for other people. That might mean, hey, you've got a neighbor, Who doesn't, who comes from a single family, who's a single mom and needs some help. That might mean, hey, every week Kate's got a bunch of openings in the children's department. That might mean, hey, every couple Sundays, once one Sunday a month, I might miss my Sunday school class to go help out in kids' worship or go help out with the kids. So what that what this means by considering others better than yourself is looking out for others' interests. And not only looking out for others' interests, but looking out how can we love other people. And you guys do an awesome job of this. When I, um, when I hurt my leg a couple of years ago, I had, we, my wife and I had meals for the next like three weeks. Um, and that was really, really cool. Uh, Pastor Chris talked about how so many people from this congregation, last week, how so many people from this congregation loved them well. Um, So I want to encourage you, like uh, Paul encouraged this church in Philippi. Philippi. So Philippians is like the only only book in the Bible where Paul doesn't take time to correct them. What Paul does in the book of Philippians is he encourages them. He tells them, hey, you're doing this well, keep doing it well. And so this is me trying to tell you guys, hey, love other people well. And in areas where you're loving other people well, keep doing that well. Press on. And in areas where all of us, because of our sin nature, all of us, because of our sin nature, we have a tendency to be selfish at times. So in areas of, of your life where you're being selfish, like, look inside yourself and be like, how can I surrender that to Jesus? And how can I love God? So it talks about, in verse 5 here, That Jesus gave up up stuff to come down here to earth. So I'm going to read you guys 5 through 8 again. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ, who, being the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. So before Jesus became the physical God here on earth, um, even in human form, his, his essential nature, God nature, remained unchanged. Right? He's fully God, fully man when he was here on, here on earth. But yet he voluntarily um, gave up his rights as living in comfort, living in peace, The second person of the Trinity uh, became like each one of us. So the second person of the Trinity experienced things like pain. He felt loss. He felt suffering. The second person of the Trinity knows what it's like to be rejected. Knows what it's like to be a servant. Up in heaven, he had angels attending to his needs. He had Um, was loved and praised all the time. He knew what it was like to have aches and pains. He knew what it was like, um, not only that, he knew what it's like to die on a cross. In Hebrews 4, uh, 15, it talks about how Jesus knew what it was like to be tempted in every way, but yet in his godness, he didn't give in to that temptation. Jesus Christ knows exactly what it's like to go through what you and I are going through. It talks about how he cried. It talks about how Christ loved people well. And you and I, now this, for you and I, it may seem like an impossible task to imitate Christ, to perfectly imitate Christ. And it is in our human form because all of us are sinful. All of us uh, are not. All of us are not able to do this on our own, and that's that's the thing: is that all of us aren't called to do this on our own. God's given us the Holy Spirit, and in His Holy Spirit, He's given us the ability to be able to tap into, tap into Him. Um, so, Paul, one of the most famously quoted verses in Philippians, uh, if you know it, you can say it with me: it's Philippians four thirteen. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. All, that verse is quoted so many different times. We're going to turn over a uh, page to Philippians 4. And that, that verse is quoted so many times. But a lot of times when we quote that verse, we forget what's right before that. So I'm going to read to you guys uh, Philippians 4.12. So here's what it says. I have known what it is to be in need. I have known what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in, every, in any and in every situation, whether hungry, whether living with plenty or living in want. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So, what Paul is saying here is because of Christ, he can do things like be hungry, he can do things like be persecuted, he can do things um, like live with want. He also said he can do things like live with plenty and live with um, having positive circumstances. But he also does, can do, does things with negative, that have negative circumstances and negative implications towards him because of Christ. And it's the same thing with us. While there may be a neighbor that you have that you're like, he, he leaves his lawn way too long. Or there may be a neighbor that you have that you're like, man, he blasts music so loud. Or there may be uh, a song that you hear played on Sunday uh, here that you're like, man, I do not know that song. Why are we playing that song? Or there may be um, any number of things that you're like, hey, I on my own, I can't handle this. But here's the thing. Paul talks about how we don't have to be humble and think of others better than ourselves just on our own. We have, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so you and I, no matter what circumstance we're going through, no matter how hard or how great it is, we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And I want to encourage you that. How this week, what's a way this week that you can serve others? What's a way this week that you can deny yourself something and give up selfish ambition and vain conceit and consider others better than yourselves? What's a way that you and I can look out for the interests of others ahead of our own interests? What would it look like if people said, hey, I know that person goes to First Missionary Church in Bern, not because, not because they wear a logo that says they go to First Missionary Church and burner, they have the bumper sticker on the back of their car, which is, which is awesome walking around town and seeing bumper stick, First missionary Church, bumper stickers on your cars. Uh, but because of the way that they treat other people, what would it look like? What would it be like if people said, "Hey, that person goes to First Missionary Church. That person's a Christian, and you don't even have to open up your mouth." What would it look like if you and I loved people so well? that we didn't have to open up our mouth and people knew that we were Christians because of the way that we loved people, the way that we considered others better than ourselves. What would that look like? Um, I want to encourage you to think about that this week. Think about that in your devotional time. Think about that uh, in your drive to work. Think about that. um, Talk about that around your dinner table. Hey, how would it look like for our family to serve others? What would it look like for us to maybe give up our Florida vacation uh, to go support a missionary um, and do a stay-at-home vacation this year. What would it look like for us to give something up to serve the gospel? What would it look like for us to give something up to expand the gospel? Paul uh, goes on in, in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 14. He says, It is good for you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know in the early days you acquaintance with the gospel. You set out from I set out from Macedonia. Not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving except you. For even when I was in Thessalonica you sent me aid again. And again I was in need. And so what Paul's saying here, Paul's thanking them because Paul's writing this this book while he's in chains. He's writing what most theologians call it the most encouraging book in the Bible. Why he's got a guard here and a guard here. And the reason why Paul could do this, why Paul could write these things, and why Paul could thank the, the, the church in Philippi who uh, gave him money and was helping him pay for, his house, for him, his house while he was under house arrest is because the Apostle Paul loved Jesus so well. The Apostle Paul, in his suffering... Used it not to complain, not to grumble, not to um, to think about himself, about how awful he had it. But he used it to think, to press into Jesus Christ. So I encourage you: the closer and the more you press into Jesus Christ, the easier it's going to be for us to do things selflessly. The more, the closer we come to Jesus, the more we become like Jesus. You, you all know those couples who've been married for 60, 70 years, and they start to act and talk and look like each other. They start to, they start to know what each other, how each other are going to finish their sentences, uh, because they spend a lot of time together. And it's the same thing with us. The more time you and I spend with Jesus Christ, the more we start to look and act and talk and think and be like him. The more we start to love other people the way that Christ loved other people. Um, so if I can encourage you of anything, let's have joy together in loving each other. Uh, I'm gonna close this out in prayer, uh, and then you guys can be dismissed. Father, we thank you so much that we can have joy in giving selflessly, Lord God, we thank you that in that you gave selflessly to us, so that we can spend eternity with you in heaven, Lord God. I pray that as we go out uh, this week and live out our game, Lord God, our this thing called life, Lord God, that we can figure out how can we love people selflessly more. How can we love people selflessly not out of, oh, I feel good about myself, but out of just our general love and appreciation for what you've done for us. In your son Jesus' name I pray these things. Amen.